Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Gridiron Studs Show and a promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Talamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts. Amo and Chad with your breakfast toast. Co-host here, Amo Calamino, turning 59 today. Amo, <laughs> how's it feel? <laughs> I'm not there yet. Not yet. God willing. Oh, man. Because it beats the alternative. I, had to, um, I you had know. to give you a South Florida happy birthday from my man, Luke. How you that feeling nice. this morning, man? That was very nice. <laughs> well, you're a thoughtful guy. And then the 59 yeah, right over the top. Beautiful. Aren't I? You know, I yep. was... Uh, downloading this audio and uh, was forced to watch the video several times because you know how Luke does it. So uh, I could have sent you a couple of those that were in the video for you for your birthday. Nevertheless, man, you're oh, yeah. hosting a show here with me today as it is finally here, Emil. It is the football season. College football is jumping off. Starting Thursday, it's uh, the time of year we've all been waiting for, and it's here, and it's... it's uh, all the excitement that comes along with it on the show today, we're going to talk about the top three games you're going to want to see this weekend, at least what Emil thinks and what I think, and usually ends up being somewhat of the same. I don't know that it'll be this hard for this weekend, but we will certainly find out. The Redskins are, want to get rid of RG3. If that wasn't clear enough by some of the moves they were made before today, it is uh, alleged that he is on the chopping block or let's say the uh, the trading wire, they're putting that stuff out there on him. So we'll talk about that and several other things going down in the world of college football and NFL football this week. And uh, I have again, a question happy, for you before we even get coming. into any of it. Hey, shoot it out. Who's going to play quarterback week one for the Patriots? Because I have no idea at this point. Uh, what's What's the problem there? I don't know. I mean, every time I see it, it's like it's like another case of OJ or something. Brady's going back to court to settlement talks. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out 
who the hell is going to play, uh, you know, quarterback. Listen, man, the world will end, okay? The world will end if uh, Brady lines up and is the quarterback for that first game. I'm telling you, the backlash on that will be un- absolutely unbearable. Um, Do you know so what I, I can't figure anyway. out with the whole thing is why, you know, he said he doesn't want to admit guilt, and obviously the NCAA wants their, you know, uh, they, they want to make their point. They're not the NCAA, mm-hmm. the NFL. Why don't they just, he doesn't admit guilt, the NFL says okay, and, you know, settle on the suspension and move on, because it's getting tiring right now. I think he just really is, uh, at this point, he's accomplished all that, I think he needs to accomplish in this game and wants to leave out of it with his good name. I think that's really what this fight is about. I don't know so much that it's, uh, I've got to be here for these four games. Uh, I don't think it's that. I think it's trying to preserve a name and not have some type of asterisk or people saying, yeah, but, you know, when it's time for him to go into the Hall of Fame. I think that's really what it's about. Would you agree or disagree with that? Well, yeah, but let me ask you this then, in your opinion, because none of us know the answer to this, so it's just an opinion. Do you think that he really didn't do what he, what he's alleged to have done, or do you think he's just delusional? Because you know, a lot of, every oh, ever listen, he's to... guilty, man. Come on, it, it, look. If you're asking me that question, do I think he did it? Knew about it? Blah blah blah. Yeah, he knew about it. Come on, no one, no ball boy in his right mind, he would have to sniff so much glue and you know do so much blow to just go and mess with Tom Brady's footballs. Uh, without Tom Brady knowing anything about it. And anyone who thinks otherwise has got to have their head examined. Well, you, know, you have ridiculous. to talk to a, a, a prison guard. You know, uh, my, my father-in-law is in his 80s. He used to work in a, you know, a high-security prison. Every person mm-hmm. in prison is innocent. Of course. Right. So, I mean, the whole notion that he's fighting it means nothing to me. I just wanted to hear what you said. I mean, there, there's guys in prison <laughs> that they have video of the fight that they, they shouldn't be there. Yeah, for crying out loud, the guy's guilty of sin. Um, so I really don't even know what this is about. I don't even know. I don't even understand the fight that he's uh, he's he's trying to make here. Um, if I believe what I said in the opening that he's fighting for his good name, I mean whether he wins an appeal or not, people are still going to believe what they believe. Which I have to think the majority feel like we do that the guy's guilty. So what's the whole point here? Why don't you let your Patriots just move on with their season the way that it's That's supposed what to be? I, I mean, I think it's Garoppolo more of a distraction that he's fighting. I, I mean, I actually think the Patriots, for four games, will be just fine with that uh, young Italian kid playing quarterback. I mean, I'm not saying that they're mm-hmm. going to win all four games, but I wouldn't be surprised if they were 3-1, and one. <laughs> you know. I, I, I mean, I think the big thing here is people have no idea how the Patriots are going to function and how they're going to attack um, – you know, defenses, how they're going to operate without Brady there. So that's got to be good for at least the first two opening games there. Maybe you lose the third one. And um, the big-time motivation coming off of a loss that the Patriots would have, win you the fourth game, and then Brady's back. You're 3-1. and one. That's what I see them ending up being after this four-game stretch. I mean, I kind of want him to play because his their fourth game and the Cowboys' fifth game is, is in Dallas. So, you know, right now as it stands, he wouldn't play. And, I mean, all kidding aside, I said this in the offseason, I want him to play. I mean, I want to see that mm-hmm. game. I mean, I'm not. I'm not one of those fans who, you know. You want this guy to walk on, uh, on the. No, no. I hope he gets two. I hope he gets two or three games and plays in the Cowboy game. That's just self-serving. I want him to play. Yeah. Well, 
Um, yes, I could see the self-serve there. Very very much self-serving going Well, no, on. a lot of fans wouldn't want that. A lot of fans would be sitting there doing cartwheels saying he's not playing against my team. But I don't know. I just, I, I mean, I, I'm a fan of the sport as well, obviously. And, you know, I like to see my team play the other team at full strength. I don't know. I'm weird. Yeah, no, I hear you. So there'll be much more to come on that as this thing is going to just continue to go on and on and on and probably drag itself out. I'm sorry I got you off point. I just couldn't help but asking because I see a big picture of this kid who's supposed to replace him on the front of ESPN's NFL page, and uh, I'm just wondering who the hell is playing quarterback. Yeah, well, we'll we'll soon find out. That's for sure. Did you see this thing? Uh, About two or three weeks ago, there was a nice story that came out about Lions receiver Ryan Broyles, you know, came from – your backup college football team that you like there, the Oklahoma Sooners. I like And Oklahoma. it spoke about how he's uh, uh, frugal and wise with his money. Yeah, I did uh, see that. He's, he lives on like 60 grand a year, you know. 60 grand a year, he and the wife. Um, and, and listen, nothing drives home the point um, of the, you know, the wisdom of what he's doing and what happened to him yesterday as the Lions cut him um, yesterday. So he's a guy out of work. And uh, looking for a job. And so now it is ultra important that he has been living on $60,000 a year. I mean, I'm assuming someone else will pick him up. But he doesn't, at this point in time, have what someone would call a budding NFL By the way, I want to thank you for making them my backup team uh, and not mentioning my other backup team, Texas, because uh, (laughs) right now I'm not sure I want a man up to liking the Longhorns the way they are looking. They, They can't find a guy to stand behind the center. In the first game, yeah, they're not alone in that, you know. Yeah, no, I know. The Florida, <laughs> the Florida Gators are still trying to figure out who their quarterback is going to be, and there's several other teams where you've got that whole back and forth going on. I, I don't think know. Bro- I think Royals will hook on with somebody I, if he can if he can stay healthy. I mean, his big issue is he seems like the poor guy's always hurt. But you, you can't, you know. That's a, that was an interesting story of what he's doing. Um, I, I come at it twofold. I think it's you know it's, it's it's a noble idea if you can do it. I guess you know. I mean, if you can not spend more money when you're making that kind of money. But my other thing with athletes that always perplexes me, and maybe you can help me. They all mm-hmm. say that they only have this long to make money. Like I've only got till I'm 35. Well, who says you're supposed mm-hmm. to retire when you're 35? From like working period. <laughs> well, like, I think you know what they. Yeah, I think you know what they mean. It make that kind of money. Of course, but, you know most of these guys don't really have any other, you know, means of making money in those quantities. So to them, I understand, like, but it uh, comes off that way sometimes because even stars say that. You know, guys that let's face it, if you're if you're Peyton Manning when you retire, there's a million ways that you could make millions of dollars a year you just sitting your ass and signing autographs. You'd make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm trying yeah. to say? Like they say it like, oh, like I could, you know, when I'm 35, it's all, you know, it's like, what, you get to retire? What about the rest of us? Can't we have to work? Yeah, I don't know how much sympathy they're going to have for that, but nevertheless, uh, those guys will tell you they worked themselves into that position, and so uh, they say those things, not necessarily wanting your sympathy, but just to state the facts and reality for you. And the biggest thing is that these guys come out and they live life um, like millionaires. And the fact is, those millions are going to, in terms of coming in through the door, going to dry up, you know. Well, yeah, there's very few guys that can make enough coin that, that, you know, the acute, like, you know, the Peyton Mannings, the Brady's, the... Uh, yeah, know, the Charles breed. Woodson is going to be playing for 20 years and making that kind of money and stockpiling it. It just, uh, it is the uh, the exception, certainly not the norm for, nope. uh, for most of these guys here. Uh, have you been watching any kind of preseason football have you watched James to. Winston, Marcus um, Mariota I, at all? No, I try. I mean, I have to admit to you, I try not to. I was in a bar uh, having a drink with my wife, and the Eagles-Packers game was on. 
the Packers had Brett Hundley playing quarterback. I guess they have they have uh, no intention of after what happened to Jordy Nelson of even you know letting Rodgers set foot on the field. I'm guessing. Um, I guess in that case, you know, with an Aaron Rodgers, you can do that. There's some other, you know, there was a big debate down here last week before this preseason game that came up here on Friday or Saturday uh, as to whether Ryan Tannehill should play in the game, can't risk him with injury. And I'm like, this is Ryan Tannehill. It's not Aaron Rodgers. It's not Tom Brady. It's not Peyton Manning. That guy needs to get in there and get reps. If he gets hurt, yeah, no, he gets he's, hurt. he's not good enough. I mean, you know, I watched some of that game, and, you know, my, my takeaway, and there's not much to take away unless I, you're, you follow a team in depth and you understand what they're trying to accomplish. It's hard for a fan of a guy like me who is not necessarily following the Eagles and Packers the way a, a, a true fan would as to what they're trying to mm-hmm. do in these games to take away anything other than I will say this. Um, the, you know, you get some Eagle fans up this way. Uh, they, they're already polishing the Lombardi trophy because Sam Bradford was 10 for 10 for 120 yards. And I've said this before. You know, <laughs> let me see that oh, offense. Man. When there's a game yeah. plan, and you know, because the Packers obviously couldn't stop them. I mean, good. The Eagles look great. They scored 39 points in the first half, but that's the type of offense that's going to do that against uh, in a preseason if it's run cro- correctly. Because you got guys who don't know where they're playing, guys who are out of position, no game plan. So that's yeah, they're not even going to be able to line up properly, let alone you know uh, uh, put a stop to anything that's going on. In the no, field. because it's, it's something very... that's out of the norm. It's not your traditional pro style offense that you know you could is kind of plain vanilla. So I, you know, it, it is difficult to defense, and uh, you know the Eagles did look good. I, I would be concerned a little if I was the Eagles. Uh, Brett Hundley, who, who's got talent, no doubt, but was not the greatest <laughs> let, quarterback. Let him up, didn't he? Let him up. Not not the greatest quarterback at reading defenses coming out of UCLA. Uh, was knocked for holding the ball a long time at UCLA. Now, granted, he's getting coached up by the Packers. I think he went to a great place to watch Aaron Rodgers, and the coaching staff there really does a good job. But, you know, he goes 22 of 30 or something like that for over 300. Mm-hmm. Again, it's a preseason game, I understand. That. And, but, so, but this is a rookie now. I mean, this is a rookie we're talking about. No, and I'm, he's so. probably playing against the – I mean, I doubt the Eagles tossed a lot of their, you know, main defensive guys out there for, for very long, so I don't want to – I don't want to sound like an idiot here and say the Eagles should, you know, not show up for week one because their defense stinks. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that would concern me a little bit, even if he's doing it against my second team, because, man, Brett Hundley going for the Here's the thing with the preseason that, you know, people may or may not know. It's just difficult to understand what the the other team's game plan is in terms of substitution pattern. Uh, You know, different, different franchises have a different way of going about things, so... Uh, when you have a quarterback in there that you want to see, you don't know exactly who he's going to be going up against. Will he be going up against, you know, first stringers because this particular week is the week in which they want to give their starters a longer look? Um, or is this a week where, the you know, they decide they want to give the starters one or two series and then he's in there against, you know, guys that are not going to be playing during the regular right. season. And so you also have it, to know the coach. You have to know the coach. Like, for instance, and you know this for having been down there with him, and when he, when Johnson was the quarter, uh, coach of the Cowboys, Jimmy, Jimmy didn't mm-hmm. give a damn about the preseason very much. I mean, mm-hmm. especially when they when when they got really good. Now, maybe that first mm-hmm. year he did because they, they sucked when he came in there. Uh, mm-hmm. But the years they won Super Bowls, they always had a losing record. Sometimes they'd win a game. Um, last year, the Cowboys, Garrett's a, a Johnson disciple. He doesn't give a damn about the results. I'm not going to tell you he tells his guys to don't try, but mm-hmm. he's looking at things. They went 0-4 in the preseason last year. Here's who so, cares about the preseason, Emil. It's, it's, it's the 
first of all, who's here's who cares the most. It's the coach that's coming in in his first year to take over for a team that's been dreadful. He needs to create some kind of a winning culture there, and this is the easiest and best way to do it, and that is to get the wins that you can get in the preseason and kind of set that tone for winning there. Those are the guys who care the most. And then after that, it's the programs or the teams that have been losing – facing, you know, probably a New England or a Green Bay. They want to win the game. That's really what they're trying to go out. They're trying to change the mindset there. And those are the guys that want to go out there and win and may actually game plan or may leave the starters in there longer than, you know, the other team. The Packers and the the the, 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 the Seattle Seahawks and the New England Patriots and the Steelers, the perennial uh, we're going for the Super Bowl guys, don't care about the outcome. They just want to see do we have guys that could fill in for some guys who are about to move out. And that's about it. Well, on your record, you know, what you said there makes some sense. The Seahawks have a losing record. The Steelers are 1-3. and three, And, you know, then I conversely I turn around, I look around, and here I'm looking at the standings. The Redskins are 3-0. and oh. No offense, Redskins fans, but that's probably not going to be the way your season goes. So, yeah, they're maxing out on their wins in the preseason. That's it. They're blowing their loads. So I'm, I'm thinking unless they're unless the they're the biggest surprise in the league, I've I've got to think that that's uh that's where they're headed. <laughs> yeah. So um, you know, fans who get giddy about their team's prospects based on the one loss record in the preseason are really setting themselves up for failure. So you might as well get the suicide hotline, uh, you know magnet for the refrigerator and put it up there because you're going to need that number at some point during the season. So save, save yourself a big headache. I will say this, though, man. I put this out there on Twitter, and you can tell me I'm crazy. I'm thinking Jameis Winston might win NFL Rookie of the Year. I just see some things there out of Winston that uh, by that middle of the season, it's kind of going to take off for, for the Tampa Well, Bay I can't Bucks, say I you're crazy because, number one, he's a rookie, so he's certainly in the pool to win it, so that doesn't make you crazy. Uh, you know, right now, I mean, you know, coming in, you would think because he's a high-profile pick at a high-profile position, he's certainly going to come in as a front runner with Mariota. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's got you know, unless something weird happens on the defensive side of the ball, somebody just takes off. Um, you know, they'd certainly be in that top five of guys if you were handicapping favorites to win that award. So, no, I don't mm-hmm. think you're crazy, and I think yeah, I think he's uh, a little bit more poised and ready to play at this level. Now, he's going to make his mistakes like any rookie does, but I would say... Sure, I think from- the early part of the year will, you know, he'll look like a rookie. There'll be those problems, but I just think, uh, um, you know, six, seven weeks into this thing, they're going to start to feel the little Jameis fever. And look, let's admit it, he's a, you know, he did some numbskull things at Florida State, but there's something about that guy that makes people want to play for him. And throughout history in this league, in this game, those type of people tend to be successful. So even he on wins. days where they're not I mean, at if you their want, best. If you want to get right down to it, the guy, the guy wins. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, he, listen, he pulled them out of six losses last year at Florida State. Now, granted, he set up that situation a couple of times, but – um, he pulled them out of the depths of hell about a good six times last season, and it, that kind of stuff doesn't go away. So I, I'm feeling he's going to bring that to the Tampa Bay Bucks, and somewhere around the middle of the year, it's going to start hitting fire. And I think the Bucks will close out the season well. Probably, you know, they're not going to be in the playoffs. I don't expect, but they're going to set themselves up really nice for 2016. And Jameis will probably be a big reason why, and walk away with that NFL Rookie of the Year. So say it now on August 31st. Well, you you got you got to pay some bills, but when you come back, we have to talk about a Redskin who uh, we do. But I'm going to say I'm going to say that for I'm going to say that for our last segment. We do. Oh, do you want you want you want to hit that one at the end? Okay. 
Yeah, we got to talk some college football here because that's what's on deck and it's what has everyone on the edge of their seat here. They've been waiting for months and months. So we're going to talk some college football. It's on us. It's at us. It's coming this week. And we are going to talk about what we think are the best three games, the biggest three games that you need to have an eyeball on this week in college football. We'll do that and more when we return on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. The 7-on-7 season, summer basketball, family picnics, all around the corner, and you're paying big money for t-shirts from screen printers? Why? Screen printed t-shirts are costly when done for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay an even higher price. More colors mean higher prices. How do we solve this? Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. That's right, with heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, put any wording you want, Print it on your inkjet print paper and using the proper paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, you can get this the way that you want it. There's no limit to the amount of color or the design. You can transfer a photograph using this paper. It's great for team sports. It's great for family reunions. It's great for birthday grips. The t-shirt is part of the American culture and now you can design your own. Don't worry if you haven't done it before. T-Shirt Supplies has the first-rate customer service. They will help you get the paper you want for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them now at t-shirtsupplies.com. That's t-shirts, no hyphen, supplies, plural, all one word, dot com. Or call them at 1-877-857-2737. That's 1-877-85-PAPER. T-shirtsupplies.com. Go there now. Back here on the Gridiron Stud Show, 1021, Chad Wilson, Emil Calamino. It's football time. We've been waiting on it. We've been waiting on it. We've been waiting on it. Now it's here, and uh, it's time for us to start losing our Saturdays, Emil. Saturdays well, there's going that's up not a loss to me, my man. There's nothing wrong with If you're going to lose a Saturday, that's the best way to do it. I've you know lost some Saturdays here over the last couple of months, and it wasn't exactly the way I want to lose a Saturday. So if I'm going to lose one, this is the way – that I want to do it, and college football is coming up. But before Saturday, you know they got to kick it off in the middle of the week, and uh, we've got games starting on Thursday and moving into Friday, Saturday. It's going to be a fun, action-packed week. Do we have Sunday games? we got Sunday games this week. Do, uh, yeah? I got Am excited. I when, when you gave me this assignment and you said you got to name three games you really want to see, I got excited because I didn't think there was as many good games as there is. I'm actually more excited now. Yeah, no, it's not It's not easy to pick this three here. No. I'm talking about the top three games that we should be watching or that we want to see this weekend. And well, let me let you know off the bat, I don't know if you included them in this, but um, I'm not, just to make this easier for you and I, I'm not even including Monday night's game between Ohio State and Virginia Tech. So if you've no, got no, that no, 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 that doesn't Tech. count. That goes to that yeah, that's that a, goes that, to next that's week. A, that's a, that's a must-see TV right there because Ohio State's going to Virginia Tech for some 
big time revenge. Virginia Tech was the only blemish on their record last year, and you know, by the end of the year, no one could figure out just how in the hell that happened, and it happened in in Ohio of all places. Uh, but it is the one blemish in Ohio State's going out there looking for revenge, and they're absolutely positively loaded. We're talking about the Buckeyes here, so um, they're they're going there with a full tank, and uh, Virginia Tech's going to find out some things really, really early here in the season. But before we get to that, there's plenty of games going down uh, this weekend. Let's talk about what we think of the top three, and then we could probably you know work our way into some into some uh, other games that are coming up on the weekend. Listen, obviously, and I'm pretty sure this is on uh, your list. It's got to be on everyone's list. Um, Michigan versus Utah. It's the Jim Harbaugh era, and everyone's going to have their eyes on it. I, for one, and, you know, we did our preseason uh, predictions here. I'm not expecting a ton out of Michigan. I expect this to be the year where Harbaugh lays down some of the groundwork, and there'll be some uh, growing pains and all of those good things uh, as he comes in and institutes his uh, his his idea of how football should be played. So I'm not expecting Jim Harbaugh to show up and turn this into an 11 and 1, 10 and 2 football team. Which means although there are a people good out there that have delusions, I've read articles by by uh, columnists that really you know nine and three. Ten and two. I've seen stuff like that, and I, and I mean, I'm I'm not seeing it, but uh, you know. Yeah, I don't remember what I picked. I think it was four and eight, five and seven. I'm not even expecting them to have this year, and they're starting off with a tough one here. But I do want to see what Michigan football is going to look like under Jim Harbaugh, and uh, so that's why they're uh, one of these. Teams and that's a tough road list. game, by the way, to start to start off. You know, uh, you know, for those of you who don't get out of the southeast and east very much to watch any other games. I mean, Utah is not an easy place to play. No, so. absolutely not. I mean, and that's whether they're um, hitting on all cylinders and are big time or they're just, uh, you know, an average team that year. It's always a tough game going into Utah, no doubt about that. Yeah, tough sure. place to play. you got altitude. you got a bunch of things going there. Uh, you know, there's not just – there's not just big mountains out there in Denver. I mean, you know, so you got some altitude issues. You got a, a, a team with a you know a winning history and tradition. So, uh, you know, it's not the game people uh, on, the, on the East Coast tend to think it is. Yeah, no, uh, you're definitely correct on that. So, what, was that game on your list? Of course, it was number one. Yeah, number one on mine as well. So, why don't you go ahead with your next game? And it's my let's, next let's see if game is, is a game I'm very interested in for several reasons. One, I think it's going to be fun to watch because it's going to be like flag football. I don't expect a lot of defense in this game. And uh, let's face it, everybody in the country who you know can, can be honest with themselves pretty much admits that the two best conferences, top to bottom, are the SEC and the Pac-12. And mm-hmm. uh, we've got a game where Arizona State. Uh, a very good uh, top 20 team is playing a top 25 team in Texas A&M, and uh, I'm really interested to see that game. You're interested because you want to see if the combined score can reach 100? or is, Well, yeah, I mean, I don't think you, anything definitive comes out of the game. I mean, I don't think at the end of the day, you know, we say, well, the Pac-12 won the game. They're better than the SEC. I just think it's good. you get got two teams that are, you know, definitely in the upper half of each league playing one another. Uh, there's going to be a lot of offense in that game. It'll be fun to watch. I'm I'm a defense. I'm a middle-of-the-road guy. I like games in college that if you can get a game where the winning team is in the low 30s and, the, you know, the mm-hmm. other team is in the 20s, that's my kind of game. So no, normally I don't like games that are 45-41, but this one I think will be fun for an opening weekend. They, they don't play yeah, very you know, often. After you- 
after you're finished watching all of the other uh, good solid <laughs> good solid matchups that are going to feature some kind of balance between offense and defense, uh, why don't you just let your your you know your hair down and and uh, get loose and just watch these two teams um, play football that looks like it's going to be you know 11 guys on offense versus nine guys on defense. That's going to be fun. You know <laughs> that's what I'm expecting. Thing. I got to tell you, out of the gate, that's you know, what watch I'm this thing turn into a 21-17 game, though, Amo. I mean, isn't that usually what happens to us here? We get you all you don't know. The first for... week, you just don't know. You don't know. You know, we we don't have the benefit of of seeing these guys or reading as much about teams that we don't follow ourselves so i don't know what their practices look like i know arizona state had to replace i believe i want to say eight guys on defense or something goofy like that i mean they don't they mm-hmm. they had a ton of guys on on defense if i'm if unless i'm thinking of the wrong team and they didn't play much defense with the guys that were there last year they played that uh roulette defense that you and i like to call it where oh, they just yeah. blitz every play and they either sack the quarterback or give up a 70-yard touchdown you know that could end up being a problem though for for uh, Texas A and M. So it'd be interesting to see just exactly how that works out for them. Interesting here though uh, that A and M is the favorite in this game. You know I would kind of lean to Arizona State, but I guess with the game being in College Station, you have to go that route. Texas Texas A and M College Station. Um, you talked about Utah being a tough place to play a game. This is also one of the tougher places in the country to go in and get a victory. Is uh, that 12th man stuff is real out there in College Station. Well, Arizona State season uh, is going to either be, uh, you know, they're either going to vault themselves quickly uh, by the end of September into the top 10 or they're going to be in trouble because, you know, they they start with this game and then the end of the month they have USC coming in to uh, their place. So, you know, they could either be well on their way to a big year or, you know, really scratching their head by the end of September. Yeah, so um definitely looking looking forward to that uh game uh as What's well. your number I, two? You know, I know yeah, I know number let two. me guess. I know your number two. It's another SEC team only they're playing an A C C team. Go ahead. I'm gonna guess. Yeah, you got you got me right on that. Everyone ex- is expecting huge things out of uh, Auburn. Uh, you know, they've got people putting them in the national championship game, um they have them winning the West. And so it's going to be very interesting to see uh, if they can start out the year on that path that many people have them on. And of interest to me is, you know, obviously Louisville is a team uh, that I surprised some people with by saying they were going to win, um, you know, their half of the ACC. I have them winning. You know, everyone's talking about it's a Clemson-Florida State deal. I think people are totally sleeping on Louisville. And I really think that Bobby Petrino is has a sense of urgency there because he's not resting his head forever at Louisville. So I think he's really trying to – he's on that fast track. And that means this year he's got to show up and do big things. And winning his half of the ACC would be one of those big things. And he gets a chance for some national flavor right off the bat right now in a game against Auburn, who everyone is expecting big things from. So it's my team that I'm looking to surprise in the ACC against a team in the SEC that I think people are putting a little bit too much sauce on. So I get to find out right now about my prediction skills um and when and and i'm am i right on these two teams that i differ with the public on i get to find out right away when louisville takes on auburn uh this saturday well i had that on my list it almost made it um it's a, it's a game i certainly will pay attention to i want to see for all the reasons you you highlighted i think louisville i think petrino's focused i think he left the motorcycle in the garage this summer and mm. uh, you know just focused on football <laughs> Yeah, I think he's um I don't know, do you agree with that? Do you think he's trying to spend 10, 15 years in Louisville or is he really trying to just show everyone, look, this is what I can do. Let me get back into the big show here. 
Well, I don't want to. I don't want to slight. I mean, from what I understand, you know, I mean, I know Patino after leaving Kentucky, going to the NBA, ended up at Louisville, and I've read stuff he said, and I've heard it's a, you know, a nice place to to coach, um, mm-hmm. you know. But regardless of what they do, it's always going to be known as a basketball school. The same way, no matter what Kentucky could ever do in football, it's going to be a basketball mm-hmm. school. So I think maybe it's a, you know, let me show people what I can do and. I don't know if he's got designs on going back to the NFL or maybe a bigger – I think he's a college coach, so maybe a bigger job uh, getting back into the SEC or something like that. I don't know. You know, But I, I would think that would be, like you said, a, a four- or five-year gig for him. Yeah, um, and, uh, you know, obviously there's a great opportunity for him right off the bat. What's your number three? My number three is based purely on, you know, I'm a traditionalist. I, I love mm-hmm. the history of college football, okay, and, mm-hmm. and I have a term that – you and I kind of kick it around. We call them blue bloods. I, you know, the blue mm-hmm. bloods. For those of you who aren't history buffs, are, you know, the people from England. They came here, the you know, white Anglo-Saxon Protestants, and that's the term you give to the the ten or twelve programs that are, you know, historically storied programs in college football history. And when two of them get together on a Saturday night to open the season, I want to see it: Texas and Notre Dame. Mm, yeah, uh, almost almost my third one. I was juggling between that and my other choice, but definitely a good one. Uh, and I'm with you on that. Charlie Strong, year number two, um, you know, kind of cleared things out and got him the way that he wanted. So now what's year two going to look like? And he gets a, a chance right off the bat to find out. Well, let me tell you uh, what, what I'm interested in here. I think his offense is still going to be a bit of a disaster, okay? I mean, they mm-hmm. have neglected the quarterback position so long at Texas since Colt McCoy's left. I mean, it's been six years. They, they've juggled guys. I'm not sure, you know, Tyrone Swoops is going to do more quarterback than if we push Cheryl Swoops back there, okay, at this point, okay. Mm. But what I am interested in is Notre Dame has the, the lefty that came in late last year, uh, Malik. Malik uh, Zaire. Yes. Malik um, Zaire, yes. Seems, seems to know what he's doing back there. Uh, it looks like, you know, a, a definite player. They've got some some speed on the outside, a wide receiver. Uh, I'm interested to see what they're going to do against Texas's defense because I'm pretty sure Texas will play good defense. I, I, I mean, mm-hmm. the score might not reflect it because if the offense keeps going three and out, the final in this game yeah, they'll break. Might, they'll break. Might be thirty-one-seven. But I'm interested to see what early on when when they're fresh, what the Notre Dame offense looks like against a good defense or what I expect to be a good defense. Yeah, no, I, I uh, I'm anxious in seeing that as well and. Uh, they believe so much in Zaire that they were, you know, okay with parting ways, uh, you know, with with the quarterback that they had in there for all, of, that this, really, all honestly, of this. Is that really honestly? Is that really a big deal? I mean, that that kid, you know, no, no disrespect. I mean, Zaire took over in the bowl game, so you you, you kind of saw it coming. Oh, I know, but Colston, come on, he was a turnover machine. I mean, it, it, it he was, was like, and, and yeah, you know, was, Kelly's not with that. Too many too many red faces on that sideline for him. So he'll just ride. Oh, he looked like he was going to stroke out some games. You'd watch him. Yeah. Yeah. I was just waiting for the headset to like pop off his head uh, without him touching it. So, you know, I don't think he wanted to deal with that anymore, but this Zaire kid's unproven. uh, And he's going against what promises to be a tough defense. So I'm with you on that. Going to be interesting to see. I know who your uh, number three is. Looks like. I, it, it's a Big Ten team playing. In, you and the SEC, come on. I know you're number three. Admit it. Well, listen, I'm going I'm going big time. If I'm going really, if I'm just going on a personal level, if I'm really just going to go on a personal level and bore people to death here, uh, that Western Michigan versus Michigan State matchup is one near and dear to me that I know I'm going to be tuning into because two former players that were on the team I coached 
are going up against oh, each okay. other. Oh, okay. I thought you really we got did a wide start receiver drinking at, Bloody Mary yeah. down there in the morning. I'm like, That's right. Wait, no, no, no. We got a receiver at Western Michigan who was a leading receiver last year. and uh, We got McGarrett Kings in Michigan State right. uh, going against Daniel Braverman. And so it's something I'm definitely anxious to see. But for the public at large, yeah, of course I want to see Wisconsin versus Alabama. Absolutely. People are – um, you know, wanting to throw a little dirt in Alabama's grave and say that it's not what it used to be. And yeah, to a certain degree, that's right. They aren't big, bad Alabama anymore, but they still have uh, the ability to go and win the SEC and put themselves in that four-team playoff and be right there at the end and make everyone throw up. But let's see uh, off the bat what they're working with. They've got some quarterback issues they need to try and sort out and figure out. They need to find out who the replacement is for Amari Cooper and will the defense continue to be what it is as it's had, you know, it's been chipped at away um, thanks to these hurry-up offenses putting up points on them. They they just don't have that mystique anymore. So how are they going to Well, let know, me tell you, though, what I find interesting marks? in this one. Um, typically, the one thing Wisconsin does very well is line play. I mean, that's mm-hmm. pretty obvious if you look around the NFL. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, guys like J.J. Watt running around on defense and on offense. Mm-hmm. you got big linemen that, you know, have traditionally done well. Uh, the center for the Cowboys is from Wisconsin. He's all pro. So what I'm saying is that I think their lines, I, I'll be interested to see how they do with Alabama there. I'm mm-hmm. interested what you said. Alabama's got a new quarterback, which can always make a first couple games of a college season interesting even if you have a lot of talent because if you know mm-hmm. if the quarterback's messing up it doesn't matter about the rest of it and then I'm also interested with Wisconsin they seem to always be able to find a guy to run the ball behind their offensive line but I'm wondering what they got at quarterback because uh if they can't move the sticks a little bit throwing the ball they could be in for a long day against a team like Alabama yeah and that's going to be the biggest deal for them uh yeah they're going to be they're going to find their way running the ball some are they going to be able to sustain drives and get points and if they aren't able to get points how long can their defense hold up uh and all you know all that other part of it it's that classic thing that we've seen i am sure Wisconsin's watching the hell out of the uh, Arkansas game from last year in which uh, Alabama had a tough time getting by them. I'm sure that's been a big part of their film study. And this will give us an idea of what you know Alabama will be able to do against an Arkansas team that people are expecting to do some things this year. So there will be some there'll be some answers. Uh, we'll Can I make a point on all these games we're mentioning? And we're going to talk about a few more because these are, these are our top three for each of us. I think that the you know and I you know you remember we've talked about this for years when we wanted a bigger playoff in college football and we got a little mm-hmm. one right now we got four mm-hmm. I, I think someday mm-hmm. it's going to settle in right around eight somewhere between mm-hmm. you know I wanted sixteen um, I think four is too little I think somewhere someday eight is going to be where we end up at with the five big conference champions and three at large mm-hmm. that said mm-hmm. I think even the small playoff has encouraged uh, a lot of these games and will continue to encourage a lot of these early season games because now if a Wisconsin loses to an Alabama or vice versa, it's not really a death blow. It's not like, oh, you can't recover because you're in one of the big conferences. If you're on the table, you know, if Wisconsin loses to Alabama, say, 24-13, and they go run the table and win the Big Ten, they're going to be in the playoffs. Yeah, but you see the thing, Emil, that's not true across the board. If you're an ACC team and you lose uh, oh, no, at any point right. during the you're season, right. you're done. Uh, but that's you're one because of those your guys, conference isn't that strong yet. I mean, yeah, that's really... The Big 12 has that issue with no game at the end of the year, no championship game. So if you do lose a game during the year, you're probably looking at a serious problem at the end, trying to be one of the four. 
Um, so um, that, that's that's that's. Well, a, I'll tell you something right now. Problems. Let me let me refrain. I, I let me let me walk it back a little and say it this way: If you're in the SEC or the Pac-12 right now, I think it's safe to say that you could end your season overall, assuming the, the losses were okay losses and your wins were impressive. You could end up the season with two losses at 11 and two, and easily mm-hmm. find your way in the playoff based on strength of schedule and who you played. Yeah, this is true, and perhaps that encourages better matchups during the year. I think as fans, we yeah, will you can't disagree with that, right? I mean, that. if you see if you no, saw a team no, no, go through one I of those can't. conferences and they had two close losses, hard fought games on the road, because I don't think you can necessarily lose at home. That makes it more difficult to lose too. But if you lost two on the road, close, tough games in tough venues, had a lot of big, impressive wins overall, and won your conference in either one of those, I think you're in the playoff at 11 and two. Yeah, uh, and and the moment we see that, it's going to be an eye opener for all these other people scheduling. Even though schedules are made so far out in advance that uh, you know, I don't know how much of a quick change we can get on. Yeah, uh, but you uh, have an idea. For... Let's face it: if you throw like Oklahoma put Tennessee on their schedule back to back years, you have an idea that Tennessee can be a competitive football team. Now you don't know that they're going to be seven and six or six and seven or whatever they are now, but they're still an SEC team. And you got a pretty good idea that you know that that that's a decent game as compared to saying putting Tennessee Chattanooga on your schedule. Right. Well, and we'll see how those things shake out. For those of you interested, and of course, Amon and I will be doing our as as normal our picks uh, come Friday. So um, certainly have yourself here on Friday for that. But just to throw this out there, here are the lines for the games that we uh, did pick as the top games to watch uh, Thursday. Utah is a five and a half point favorite over Michigan. Um, just some thoughts there. Auburn, a, a huge ten and a half point favorite over Louisville, and that speaks to what I talked about when we um, were talking about that game. Is that people are expecting really huge things out of Auburn, and I'm just wondering if there's a burden being put on this team coming right out the bat here with a brand new quarterback. By the way, I just want to throw that out there. Uh, we talked about this, and I mentioned it. Texas A&M is the favorite in their game against Arizona State. They are minus three. Um, I think the kickers will only be involved in this game just to kick extra points. That'll be plenty of work for them, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Alabama, a huge 10-point favorite over Wisconsin. So, you know, people still drinking the Alabama Kool-Aid for all of the stuff about, you know, the little dirt being thrown on the grave. And I don't know what that really says about Wisconsin, but we'll see. Um, and with the brand-new quarterback, the lefty, uh, Malik Zaire, Notre Dame's a 9.5-point favorite over Charlie Strong's Texas Longhorn. So, you know, we're going to have to give out picks on the on Friday and tell you who's going to win all these games. We are indeed going to have to do that. Obviously, the Michigan versus Utah game is uh, not going to be a part of that since it will be played on Thursday. So, I don't know if you want to, you know, throw anything out there about what you think about that uh, point spread. What's the line on that happen. game? It is five and a half in favor of Utah. Uh, I'm of the feeling that that might be a little too low. Oh, no, I'm, I'm of the. I mean, I, I'll be honest. I'm going to be surprised if Utah doesn't win the game by ten or more. Yeah, I'm, and listen, when here's some here, here's something I've learned over the years: brand new coach opening up the season just on the road. I don't care who the opponent is, just on the road, just getting that whole routine down together and changing everything that was done with the whole road routine. Um, is a problem. And then now you're going to a place that's tough to win. Oh, by the way, against a team who could play football pretty damn well, it's a tough way for you to open up your season. So you've got three things going on here at Michigan. 
Number one, got a brand-new coach. Number two, you're going to have a brand-new quarterback. Number three, you're opening up the season on the road, usually a recipe for disaster. So if I was going either any kind of way on this game, I'd be leaning on Utah. Uh, well, I'll go, I'll go one further. If this, was, if this was in our pick contest that we do every year. I'd be picking it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this would be one of my know. games for the week. <laughs> yeah, so take that to the bank and run with it um, and just be damn glad you're listening to the blog. I got two more, buddy. Talk I want, I want to mention gridiron stuff. before we move on and go to break. And, uh, what do you got? Uh, talk. Uh, the two more I'm kind of interested in. Let me get your thoughts. And, uh, this again, is before we'll, these, these are pre-Saturday games? Uh, I'm not sure. I didn't look, but they're, they're yeah, they're they're not Sunday games. Let's put it okay. that way. TCU Minnesota, I believe, is Thursday. Mm. I'm interested in that game. Obviously, TCU is coming in as a top five team. I think it's at Minnesota this year. Uh, Minnesota they're played, favorites, by the way. They are. Minnesota played some good football though last year. I'm kind of interested to see. You know, does TCU give them a beat down? Does Minnesota hang in there with them? I mean, it is a Big Ten team, so I'll be interested to see how how that game goes. I've got TCU in my final four. I know you do. Um, I think I do, too. This <laughs> is a huge line, man. And Minnesota is very skilled at, you know, taking the air out of the ball and giving and limiting your possessions in a game. So, uh, well, you've got to remember something huge. else here with TCU. Uh, TCU's never had this kind of love shown to it before a season. Mm. I mean. Um, true. And that, they may or may not enjoy that. Yeah, I'm saying the, expectations. It's a lot easier for a TCU to come into every year as, you know, they huddle together and bitch about the rest of the world, nobody respects us, and then they go out and do their thing and win 10, 11, 12 games, as opposed to now everybody's not only respecting you, they're ranking in the top five and saying you should be in the playoff. That's a completely different animal for a program. Yeah, uh, no doubt about it. No doubt and then my other it. one I'm interested in, for obvious reasons, uh, is a Pac-12 ACC matchup between UCLA and Virginia because I'm interested to see. I knew you were going to be on that. Well, wait. UCLA returns 18 of their 24. You know, when you count the specialists, they return 18 of 24, but they do not return uh, the quarterback, which is always an issue. And they're going to start a true freshman, highly talented. I do. I, I want to see him play. If nothing else yeah. about that game, I do want to see him. Uh, I, I want to see what Josh Rosen looks like out the bat. Yeah, I want to see what he looks like. I mean, Virginia, you know, is a decent enough program that, you know, you can gauge a little bit. I mean, they they have players at Virginia. I mean, if they're not, the results aren't always what they'd want. So, um, yeah, I'm interested to just to see. There's 17-point favorites I'm looking here. It seems high. I know they're at home and, and you know, they have a lot of kids returning. But playing a true freshman against a, a Power 5 conference team, 17 seems like a lot. But, hey, who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, look, I'll talk a little bit about the very, very first game that's going to kick everything off here at, on ESPN. It's South Carolina traveling to North Carolina. The line's two points. I uh, think that's a little bit low, man. I'm not expecting a whole bunch out of North Carolina. They couldn't play defense last year, and, and there's nothing to suggest that they're going to be able to do a whole bunch on that side of the ball this year. And South Carolina uh, suffered some disappointment last year, obviously, um, you know, they're going to want to come back a little bit stronger. They weren't what they were. Um, and I see them coming into this game, opening things, uh, opening this season up and, and wanting to make a statement. And North Carolina is, I think, a good place to do it. I don't know how you feel about that. but Well, I kind of see it like you. I think there's a couple advantages for South Carolina. They they play better competition. They're from a better conference. They have a better coach. Um, they're coming off. Other of, than that, North Carolina is fine. 
kids are fine other than that. And if it was a basketball game, I'd probably be all over North Carolina. But when I look at this game, I, you know, I think Spurrier will have his kids ready to play. They had a disappointing year last year, and they really had something going. Uh, they had their three straight, you know, ten win seasons going into last year. Had never been done in South Carolina. And uh, matter of fact, they never even had back-to-back ten win seasons before Spurrier got there. And that's in over a hundred years of football. So he's built something there. I think he wants to continue on that route, and, uh, you know, I expect them to get a win there. Yeah, they're going to need to reclaim that. All right, uh, well, there's a nice little warm-up for college football talk because we're going to have a bunch of it coming up on Friday, and uh, this is a good start to it. But it's now time for us to turn our attention to the NFL. So we're going to jump into a break. When we get back, it's a little NFL talk as they're getting close to starting their regular season. We'll be talking about that and uh, some other issues in the NFL when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoffs. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one day contest for $25 and get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! Chad Wilson, Emil Calamino back in the saddle here as it is a football week kickoff show here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Thank God football is back. Emil, we're going to talk some NFL here, but I want to kick this off with a little trivia for you. Guess who's the oldest back in the league? And it's not some guy hidden deep down on the roster that gets, you know, five snaps. Okay, wait, wait, a, wait, wait. Well I'm, not gonna even use, I'm not going to use the computer, but let me just mentally try to shuffle through back yeah, run in through, the league. Run through your uh, run through In my, your, in my Rolodex, Rolodex of my yeah. mind, the oldest back in the league. I'm going to bet you yeah, it's, a, it's a guy. I'm a, uh, starting back? Are you saying starting, pro, you know, premier running back? Yeah, it's a guy, you know, uh, a well-known running back. Adrian Peterson. Um, that's a good guess because he's, he's thirty. Like he's been around. He's been like he seems like he's been around forever. It's actually Frank Gore who is uh, now with with uh, you know Jackson retired. What's he thirty two maybe? Fred Jackson retired today. Making, he, oh, he retired. I saw he got cut. He retired, huh? 
Yeah, well, they released him, so let's just call it that. They released him you know, more than likely. To, I think Sky is, will retire, but who knows. But uh, with him currently off the books, that makes Frank Gore at 32 years of age, the oldest back in the league. And uh, that should just be an eye-opener. If there are any young ones listening to this, at 32 years old, you are old in this league at that position. You you might as well be a grandfather. And, you know, he's not he's no longer a premier back in this league. Uh, you know, we'll see how the Colts use him this year, but – um, he's not a 35 carries a game guy. So let me um, ask you something, and maybe you can explain it to me and the listeners, because it's always perplexed me a little bit. I think I know why, but I want to hear what you say before I, you know, confirm that. Why is it that uh, running backs, even if they're healthy, are no longer effective, say after the age of 30? I mean, I you know I know you lose straight line speed, but let's face it, most running backs aren't running 40 yards at a time. They're running six and seven and eight if they're lucky. So what is it that that effectively or makes you ineffective, I should say? Well, um, it is the most brutal position in the game because you're getting hit on every play. So when you're carrying the ball, you're getting hit. When you're not carrying the ball, you're blocking for someone carrying the ball. So you're getting hit. Or if it's a pass play, you're pass protecting for someone who, you know, has to be protected. So you're getting hit. It's just a brutal, brutal position. You're not avoiding contact on any play in which you're in. Not to mention, um, when you're not getting hit, you're you're making all of these sharp cuts and moves and it wears down on your knees. And the, quite frankly, a younger guy is going to do it better than you when he gets into the league. It's like it's, mm-hmm. it's, so. What you're saying is essentially it's the defensive equivalent of linebacker because if you notice linebackers in the NFL, yeah, you've got to have it's a car crash every play. It's yeah, you've got to have physically six or seven linebackers. Position. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. And again, it's a young man's position. So when you start hitting twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty, and the twenty one and twenty two year old comes in there, you know, uh, the physical specimen, uh, he's just going to do things better than you. So that, in and of itself, makes you old. You may not exactly feel that old, but the fact is that the twenty three year old is just younger and stronger and faster, and um, they get used up in this league. So Frank Gore, thirty two, is the oldest guy. That listen, I didn't play. NFL football, uh, and I've got little aches and pains from the playing days. So I can imagine a guy's put in 10 years in this league getting hit Well, like you got that, close like enough to it that, that, that your opinion means something. I mean, you know, I think when you get up to, you know, a, a Division One or even a 1AA level where the guys are of, of that size, now maybe not every guy, but you're playing against mm-hmm. guys that, that routinely get to play in the NFL. I think you, you have a better perspective. So, you know, I've I've always wondered that. I kind of feel like linebackers last until they're – early to mid-30s, but, but they play less. Usually what happens is they'll become a specialist. If a guy's good at covering, he'll he'll become a, a, you know, a, a, you know, thir- a third down linebacker or he'll become a, a you know, first and second yeah, down. Yeah, the real way to last past this league at that running back position past 30 years old is to be an, a real asset out of the backfield, like a Marshall Falk or that type player. Um, if you can do that Darren and not Sproul. necessarily have to carry – yeah, if you don't have to carry the ball to be effective out of the backfield – uh, then you can last a little longer in this league. We need to jump into some NFL talk, but before we do that, we do have a caller on the line. Caller, you're on the Gridiron Stud Show. Hi, how are you? Good. Good, good. This is Princess what? Cooper from Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. I was just listening to oh, you Oh, hey, how you doing, Princess? I'm good. Happy to have I'm you here good. on the show. Emil, I do need to tell my co-host here. Uh, Emil, I appeared on Princess's show earlier on this year. She does a really, really great show here on Blog Talk Radio, knows her stuff. So happy Excellent. to have you joining us here. 
Awesome, awesome. Thank you. And I heard the, the information about Fred Jackson. I didn't know that he was released. And um, so that makes Frank, Frank Gore the oldest. And I want to see what he can do. You know, this is probably one of the best opportunities since San Francisco. So I'm looking to see what he can do. And surprised about RG3. I really thought they would hold on a little bit longer, but um, that says a lot. Have yeah, they caught him yet, or have they traded him or anything? I know they were, they were trying to get a trade, and I don't think anybody – I mean, listen, no one's going to pay you typically for somebody when they know that ultimately they're going to be given away. So I don't think they're going to yeah. get a trade. Yeah, and we're gonna launch her. We're gonna launch into some RG3 talk here in a minute. Okay. Uh, getting okay. back to Frank Gore, though, he's not running behind uh, the primo run blocking offensive line um, in the league. So I don't know how much he's gonna be able to do, and it's gonna be interesting to see. But I, it's not gonna be what it was in San Francisco. And when he was in San Francisco, that line and that scheme moved people out of the way. He's really going to a passing attack. Maybe they use him a little more out of the backfield. I hope. You know what? I agree with you, and I want to see what happens, but I think that maybe the addition of Andre Johnson may help out. Um, so mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see. And, yeah, you know, well, you know Princess, I think it's a mentality, though, it, with the, with teams like the Colts. Uh, Chad and I have talked about this, the Dolphins, for years with Marino. You know, if the quarterback doesn't buy in and really doesn't want to run the ball 25 times a game, it makes it hard as a franchise. And I, I just have a feeling at this point – Luck likes to throw the ball. I mean, he's thrown it over 600 times uh, uh-huh. every year since he's been in the league. And with a guy like Gore, you know, as he's slowing down, he's going to need a little bit of space. And that line is typically not a line that blows people off the ball. Well, yeah. I've got one term for Frank Gore and his success this year, and that is check down. He better be that guy that goes five <laughs> yards past the line of scrimmage, turns around and just says, throw me the ball. I'll run it from here. You know, that type of deal. Let yeah. me pass through this line and all these big guys. And then dump me the ball. I'll do something in the open field. Hopefully, that's how he's used. But Princess Man, thank you so much for calling. You got you got to do I, this more regularly. I'm gonna do this more regular. And go Gators. Go <laughs> thanks oh, thanks yeah, for calling, Princess. Go. Thank All you, right. Princess. All right, Appreciate I'll call it again. That. Have a great yes. day. Thank you, Princess Cooper from Never Had It So Good. Check her out on Blog Talk Radio. Really, really good show there. And one more caller. It's our it's our resident. I mean, he's just about a third host here on the show. Les, what's going on, man? Les, wake up. All right, we lost that caller there. Hopefully he calls back. All right, nevertheless, let's launch into this RG3 thing. Listen, when they came with the he's concussed and he's not going to play that whole deal – uh, to me, the handwriting was on the wall there, and quite frankly, Emil, I would love to see RG3 get the hell out of Washington. And I'm going to say this, I think the best thing for RG3 is not so much going somewhere else where he's going to be on the field right now. I don't think that's what he needs. He needs to go to a place where there is a quarterback coaching guy um, that can get him up to speed on what the NFL quarterback is supposed to Please play Please don't like. chuckle when I say this. Mm-hmm. I, I I swear I mean this. I think the perfect place for him would be Dallas, and I'm going to tell you why. The Cowboys have a quarterback that's going to be there for three more years minimum, three mm-hmm. probably three more. He's he's still mm-hmm. he's in good shape. They have mm-hmm. one of the premier coaching staffs in the league when it comes to coaching quarterbacks. You got Jason Garrett who played the mm-hmm. position in the NFL. You got mm-hmm. Scott Linehan who's an offensive genius, and Wade Wilson who's the quarterback coach. He, he's from Texas. He doesn't have to come in and be a star. He can learn the game the right way. I, I, I really feel like this kid, I haven't seen a top pick 
get done like this kid got done mm-hmm. in a long time. I mean, he went to a, a franchise, okay, that doesn't have a clue. First of all, they let him play his college offense his first year because they wanted to win. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, and people they thought get, that was genius. Oh, it was genius. Yeah, genius. Yeah, and then everybody figured it out. The kid gets injured. Okay, he gets bad mechanics. Then they put him, you know, three offensive coordinators. I believe he's on his third. I forget if it's a mm-hmm. second or third coach, head coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, they put him behind this sorry sack offensive line that's got a really good left tackle and nothing else. Okay, he's playing mm-hmm. chuck and duck, getting bad habits mechanically, and then mm-hmm. everybody's surprised when he fails. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. It's just been such a bad time. Um, I, I don't call this a tragedy that they have him on the on the you know on the trading block. I think it's the best thing in the world for him. Get out of there. Start fresh somewhere new. I have a place that I think would be a really good place for him. But before that, I'm going to be upset if he ends up in a Carolina. I'm going to be upset if he ends up in somewhere like a San Francisco with people thinking that oh this would be a great replacement if one of these top two guys uh, are out. We can just throw in a guy that's just like him. He does not need to be in anything like Why that. Why are you need to be doing Dallas? Good. He could go to Dallas. Brandon. No, Whedon no, I'm not going to Dallas. Okay. Yes, no, I. Brandon I, I Whedon's the backup. Just... We know Brandon Whedon stinks. He can stay the backup until the Cowboys are comfortable that RG3 knows the offense. Then they can cut Brandon, Brandon Whedon and let RG3 learn behind a really good NFL quarterback with no, good coaching. No, not. not... No, not a bad spot. Um, and we say all that, and he's going to end up in Philadelphia as the fifth quarterback on that team. But uh, I, I don't want to see him in Carolina. I don't want to see him in San, San Francisco. I don't want to see him in Philadelphia. I don't want to see him somewhere where he's running zone reads, and that's how his because his career will end pretty quickly if he does that. How about New Orleans? How about you go in there and you be oh, the backup no, that's to a, Drew Brees? Listen, that's a good spot with Drew, Drew Brees still there and a Sean Payton. I'm fine with New Orleans. I think I think those two spots. Matter of fact, New Orleans has a huge. Uh, you know, a nice base of of fans. He's he's from Texas, so again, you, you know, that's a, that's almost like a, a a crossover team. You know, New Orleans, Houston, Dallas. I mean, you get a lot of that that Texas flavor. I think he'd be close to home. Sure, I could see him there. Yeah, and the, but the only danger for RG three, and I don't know if this crosses his mind, is in those two places that you're talking about. Is just following someone who is very successful at that position there. Do you want to do that? But listen, man, I don't, I don't want to see him in his own reads. And you know what? I don't, I don't think I want to even see him in a place like St. Louis, where they're looking for their savior, the final piece. He's not going to be that. He's broken right now, and he needs some time to mend and fix and learn, and then come back in um, with a little less pressure, but with more knowledge, because he knows nothing now leaving Washington. Other he than reminds how to me of a guy like in baseball, pitchers. Okay, you'll see a kid come up with a lot of talent. He'll get an arm injury, get in some bad habits. A guy who, you know, for people who aren't baseball fans, won't mean anything, but for you it will. A guy like a Chris Carpenter, he came up with the Blue Jays, mm-hmm. had ability, got hurt, finally got with the right pitching coach in St. Louis, mm-hmm. and his career flourished in the back half of his career. I mean, he really had a wonderful career there when he learned how to pitch and use his abilities with the right coaching. And I kind of feel like RG3 is a young guy still. I mean, he's what, 23, 24 years old. Sitting Definitely for a couple, has value. Yeah, sitting for a couple of years and learning isn't going to kill him. I mean, don't forget, guys like, you know, here's a crazy example. Roger Staubach didn't quarterback an NFL game until he's like 28 because he was in the Navy, and, and he's in the right. Hall of Fame. So it's not like right. this guy, Tony Romo. I mean, he well, he sat around 
for for three or four years learning the game. He didn't really play till he was like 25, 26. Right. So it's not right. like I want to see him over. learn to play. I want to see him learn how to play in the NFL without his legs being the foremost. I want him to learn how to play in the NFL as the legs being an additional weapon, not what it is he does. And oh, by the way, I will occasionally throw the football. Learn how to get the football down. Your the legs field and win should it. save your life, and then allow right. you to throw the ball down the field. They should not be. Mm-hmm. A, a weapon in the sense that I'm going to run for 100 yards today in the NFL. That just yeah, it, I don't want to see It's a formula to get hurt. Yeah, uh, so it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. I, we do have our caller back. Let's see if we could get him on. Caller, you're on the Gridiron Stud Show. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, what's going Les. on there, man? Was that a happy birthday, Amos? Thanks, on, Les. Man? I appreciate that. I'm a, I'm 107 today. I don't look at I don't oh, look God. at a day over we forty. We should have played like uh, we should have played yeah. the what's Amel age guessing game and given away a prize. Well, you said I was fifty nine to start the show. I mean, I did throw that out there, man, <laughs> didn't I? So what's hey, up, Les? What's great, going on? Great. Oh man, just getting out, man, getting these kids to school. How's everything going? Hey, everything's going good, man. It's it's football back on. I mean, what? How could it not be all good around here? Football's back in the air, man, and so we're really, really happy about it and talking about it all day well, on the show. Well, you know I'm excited as well, and the conversation you guys are having, um, you know, I like to say hello to Princess if she's still listening. Um, yes. It was great listening to you guys this morning. Uh, I think a great place for RG3 would be the Denver Broncos. How about that? I did. Mm-hmm. That did cross my yeah. mind. I mean, yeah. everyone has seen Peyton Manning throwing those end over end punts. Guys, this has to be the, this has to be the last year for for Peyton. No joke, man. No joke. Absolutely. He can't put a Absolutely. spin on the ball. He can't spin the ball right now. So it's gonna it's gonna get uglier there. And this needs to be it. He should announce and get the farewell tour and do that whole deal and just call it a night because he can't throw the ball, man. Yeah, but you know what? Some guys, you guys are you guys are. Big sports fans, obviously, you've seen this in every sport. At boxing, it happens a lot. Some guys know how to go out gracefully, like Cal Ripken and Derek Jeter. Some guys go kicking and screaming, and they have to be knocked out. And that's kind of what happens in boxing. You know, some guys they just mm-hmm. don't know when to walk away. They're not Oscar De La Hoya, who says, "Hey, I made a lot of money. I'm happy. I'm going to make more money as a promoter." They have to get knocked out like ten times, and then finally they realize, "Oh, I can't play. I can't box anymore." Does he not want to be like at that. that Thanksgiving table ten years from now with Eli staring across at him and be like, "Man, I got two, three rings." So you know, damn all your little passing yards. Uh, I can't help but think about that ESPN commercial he used to have with the two of them kicking each other behind Archie as they were walking through the halls. It's got to be a, yeah, still a little right, bit of yeah. that, and Peyton wanting Peyton wanting that second one to at least match his brother, who would probably get his third after. But Peyton I think Les might be on something here. I, I think we've got three good landing spots between the three of us. I could see him in Denver. I could see him in New Orleans or Dallas. I think all of them would be places where he could learn from a, a guy who knows how to play. He would get coached. I mean, hell, in Denver, he could walk in the hallways and talk to John Elway. I mean, there's a guy yeah, who would basically replace. Go somewhere Absolutely. where you're replacing a good quarterback, not some place that needs you now, and we're going to use up your legs, and we're just going to get you crushed here, and you see what you can give us for the next three, four years, then you're out of the league. Forget that crap. No, and well, let me ask you guys this: Don't don't you think the Redskins, in general, show why they've been generally a sorry sack franchise for the last thirty five years? Man, they're a disaster. I don't think Les would disagree. Say that again. 
They're I mean, look what the they're Redskins doing right now. If they, were, if they don't want this kid to play quarterback, okay, you're not going to tra- – listen, if you trade him, maybe, maybe somebody crazily would give you a seventh round just because they want him. But at the end of the day, you're probably not trading this guy because everybody knows you're going to release him. Just release him. It's like pulling a scab off, okay? You can't do it slowly. Just say, okay. But worse yet, why play these games with the concussion thing? Hey, we don't want you to start, man. We just want cousins yeah. in there. Don't say, hey, you got a concussion, so you're out two weeks. Come on, what's up with that? Stop playing games. Yeah, that's that's the thing that hurts I mean, that's, me. that's the NFL nowadays. You know, they'll find a reason to put No, that's the Redskins. That's the Washington oh, yeah, the Redskins. Redskins. My bad. That's, 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 how, that's how they run their deal. I don't know I don't know about the other places. But the Redskins I tell you, if the Oakland Raiders have a decent team this year, like if they can win six, seven games, the Redskins mm-hmm. may replace the Raiders as the new laughingstock franchise of the NFL. Yeah, the graveyard. The graveyard. Well, listen, man, uh, we're doing our prediction show on Friday, so uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to get a phone call from you then. Um, so, we, you know, it's, yeah, we it's need that some time predictions here, man. Left. you got to give us some predictions for Friday. You have an assignment. Yeah, there you hey, go. Get, your, my, get, get yourself I do, together. I do, I do my homework, man, and get up early for you guys on Friday. I'll make sure I'm on. There you go, man. There you go, man. Appreciate you calling. We'll see you on Friday. Hey, yeah, have a good day, baby. Bye-bye, Les. Yeah, um, you know, they need to take their foot off of their off of RG3's neck out there. So, you know. Chad, you know what I we'll thought see. I could do maybe that was nice for the the audience before we go today? Mhm. I was going to give them five sleepers for their draft, for their NFL for their fantasy draft. Oh, well, I know, I know you're have... a fa- I I know you're a fantasy uh football guy, so man, by by all means Jump on and and sleepers or maybe are these sleepers? sleepers? I'm going like, to give you whoa. guys that I think you can scoop up in the middle to later rounds. You know, I mean, obviously, Gross. you don't need you don't need my advice to tell you that. Hey, if you can get Aaron Rodgers, that's a good pick. I mean, you know. No, no, who 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 the hell needs that? Um, but man, sure, I mean, we're touching it at all here. You know. Okay, so I've been looking around. We can add a fantasy element. That's awesome. Running backs are always hard to get. Okay, that's one thing in fantasy. There's only so many guys that make a difference, like the Jamal Charles and Adrian Peterson guys. And then after you get through those first 8 to 10, you know, you're looking for guys because running backs get hurt a lot. So you need to have a couple of good backups in fantasy for, you know, mm-hmm. you grab them later. I, and this is not a homer pick. I've been reading a little bit about this guy. I like Buck Allen and what he's going to do in Baltimore. Um, okay. A couple guys have, you know, uh, said on the veterans on the Ravens have given him given him very favorable uh, re- reviews. Um, the, yeah, and Jeff, they don't have anyone entrenched at that position there. Well, so Forsett had a big year last year, but you know, ge- around the league, the Ravens' offensive line is generally regarded, you know, right up there with Dallas's as you know an excellent offensive line. So I think that they mm-hmm. they created something with Forsett last year. But I think if he gets hurt or if, if Allen shows something early and this guy struggles, you could see him kind of, you know, weasel his way into the starting lineup. And I think you can get mm-hmm. a guy like him toward the end of your draft because people just won't focus on him. So he'd be somebody I'd probably try to throw on my roster, hoping to use him later in the year. Okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, wide receiver, uh, I, I think yeah, I'm not, this is not as much a sleeper. It's just I think you can get him in more, you know, later rounds or middle rounds. Jordan Matthews in Philadelphia. I mean, somebody's going to catch the ball in that offense. Um, they're going like to run that. a lot of plays. Yeah, they're going to score points. Um, people might focus on the USC guy, Aguilar, but I don't like taking rookies unless they're beasts. I think he's a guy that is going to help, but it, yeah, I'm not sure he's a beast-type receiver. He's a guy that's kind of you know a slot guy that I see 
having a nice career, but I think they need somebody to throw the ball to, and Matthews will be their primary target. Yeah, there are very few Odell Beckhams uh, that come into the league and smash it up. Like right. That. Especially yeah, coming you, off of injury where you didn't even play the first few games. That's not the norm. No. No, so I think I think he's a guy you can grab, you know, beyond the third round, let's say. Okay, so I, I like him. Um, believe it or not, after seeing this, I, a guy middle rounds. I like McFadden in Dallas. Um, okay. He had some burst. Uh, he still has burst. There's a guy that just came in. You you said the word disaster. He went to Oakland. He played with six or seven different offensive coordinators. I forget how many head coaches. They weren't exactly knocking people off the ball. Now he goes to Dallas. He doesn't even have to be the man. Okay, here's a guy. If he can stay relatively healthy and get 200 carries, he could be a thousand yard back for you. And you're not gonna you're not gonna have to draft man, him he, very high. He's scary to me, man. Because of the injury. This guy pulls a groin just leaving out of the locker room. Okay, but consider I'm talking value here. This is a guy that mm-hmm. I don't think you're going to have to, you know, you could get him in the eighth, ninth round probably. I, I don't think, mm-hmm. I think most people when they go to grab the Dallas running back, they're going to take Randall, okay? Mm-hmm. I, what I'm saying is I think you can grab a guy like him and stash him, and if you see he's staying healthy and having a year, great. If not, you get rid of him. You don't have to give a, a lot up here. This is not a, a high draft pick in fantasy, okay? Mm-hmm. Another mm-hmm. guy that I, I would keep an eye on, Mike Wallace in Minnesota. Teddy's going to throw the ball to somebody. Uh, right. And I think that could be a guy that, if used the right way, play action where they can use his speed. They have Adrian well, Peterson. He's going to get single coverage because of the He's going to get a lot of single coverage. In the backfield, no doubt. Yeah, so there's a guy I kind of think could be a, like a, a value pick for you because he's get, he's going to get the ball. I mean, they have to throw it to somebody. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. They're going to pack the. They're going to pack that lineup, obviously, and uh, you know he stands to be a beneficiary of that because Teddy will throw the long ball, no doubt about that. Yes, yes. And my fifth one, another guy for, uh, that had a nice rookie campaign, but it's kind of getting lost, and it's a place where they may not score as much as they used to, but they still have to throw it to somebody. I think Brandon mm-hmm. Cooks down in New Orleans, the guy to keep an eye on with Jimmy oh, Graham no gone. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. And to, yeah, to like second him. your point, in a, in an interview I saw in yesterday's preseason game, uh, they did ask Drew Brees about you know who's who's going to be that guy for you now you know with Jimmy Graham gone, and he did mention Brandon Cook. So you know to your point, you know you have Drew Brees saying he's going to be looking for this guy. So targets yeah, are a big he, deal. Yeah, I think he'll get look, kind of looked over. He's not a guy that just jumps off the screen at you. I mean, I mean the receivers most of the time are, you know, if everybody looks for these big beast guys early in a draft. Now, Cooks, you're probably going to have to get him in around like the third round or something. But he's not a guy you have to waste a first or second round pick on. But I think he could have a really, like, you know, I'm talking 11, 1,200-yard season down there. Yeah, someone's got to fill in for that production that's lost there. You know, I'll probably do a little more on fantasy football next week as we get, you know, really close to the NFL season. Or I don't even know if I've got that kind of time for those that do the big, you know, preseason fantasy drafts and everything like that. So we may run out of some time on that. But nevertheless, uh, I want to throw a guy in there, just one guy. And that's Latavius Murray for the Oakland Raiders. Now, wasn't a thousand yard back last year, so didn't come with a whole bunch of hoopla, and he is in that graveyard. But. You and I both feel like Oakland has a little something there, and it'll be a little better this year, and this guy might be a big part of that. 5.2 yards a carry last year, 424 yards. I think he's a guy ready to break out. And with more of the load being put on him and there's no feeling that we need to give carries to a Darren McFadden because of his salary, uh, the backpack's going to get a little heavier for Latavius Murray. We're going to get a bigger chance to see what this guy can do. And he's smooth, uh, got speed, 6'3", 230 pounds, the guy looks the part, and I've seen him run the football. 
And to be honest with you, if there was a if there was a if there was a Murray that I wanted to see in Dallas, it would have been this guy. But obviously that couldn't happen. So I think he's going to do big things. Yeah, and, no, I mean know, a lot of guys, like, right a lot of people like him. Uh, you, you know, like what he did last year, and obviously you got to like five point two yards a carry. So that's a, that's a good one. I mean, that's Barry type stuff there. So uh, I, I, I do think, think some choice. where people are going to make mistakes in their drafts this year are speaking of Murray. I think they're going to overdraft Demarco Murray. They're going to draft Demarco Murray based on last year's production in, in one year. Okay, they're going to base it on his 390 carries, 1800 yards, whatever he had, 10 touchdowns. He's not going to get 390 carries this year. Number one. That just no. That uh, well, you know, your common folk are going to do that. Your fantasy geeks are not going to go anywhere. No, but, but remember, most Murray. of the people do this are are guys that just follow it like us. I'm not a fantasy geek. I'm not one of these guys that lives for fantasy. So, the, the, most of us are just common folk. You know, if we're in a league, I think people are going to look at Murray, look at those numbers. He's not getting that many carries this year. That's why the Eagles have 26 running backs. Okay, <laughs> he's <does> not. <laughs> You know, from all of them dudes, they can somehow put together one guy. But like you said, the wealth is going to get spreaded around there in terms of carry. So, yeah, I, I love it, man. We've got a fantasy aspect to the gridiron stud show. I mean, we've covered it all today. What to watch on Everything. TV. Um, what to go to the sports book with if you're living in Las Vegas or New Jersey. I just want to point that out. Uh, and then the fantasy element. I mean, we got it all covered here. I mean, if you're yeah, not we didn't cover. We didn't even touch on the at the end of the first inning of the Little League World Series yesterday. It was 10-2, and I was commenting on, boy, I can't believe a team from Pennsylvania is going to win the Little League World Series. I turned the channel about a half hour later. I come back, and Japan's killing them. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Mr. Jinxer. You yeah. killed the whole state up there with that. Man, oh, man. Yeah. I think you deserved to have what happened to your Dodgers happen yesterday, just off of that alone. Man. Ouch. Damn, can they hit out there? Can they hit balls out there hey, in Dodger land? We increased our lead on the Giants in between the no-hitters of nine days. We picked up two games on the Giants. So if we can get hit no-hit nine days from now, we'll be at NL West champions. That's amazing. That's amazing. All right. Well, we're uh, it's football season. We're back in the full saddle here. I'm back on tomorrow. Emil rejoins me on Friday as we talk some picks and we uh, really talk about uh, what took place on the Thursday kickoff of college football. We get you ready for the weekend of college football. So that's definitely something you don't want to miss. And we want to thank all of y'all listening to the show today. For Emil Calamino, I'm Chad Wilson. Thanks for listening to the Gridiron Stud Show. And all the children are in Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoffs. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code Gridiron Studs when you sign up. But you better hurry, 
The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.